Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Would you open your Bibles with me? We're looking this morning at Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. And as you pull the Bible out and and open it or turn it on and, and pull it towards you, let's pray. Open your scriptures to us, O Lord. Open your scriptures. To us, let your holy word cast out all confusion that we might know truth and life in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 15, 1 through 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Amen. Amen. First things first, today we're, we're turning a little bit of a page, and we want to talk about you first. Abigail, my wife Abigail and I met in college, and um, we were part of a, a group of friends that liked to spend time together, and one night we were spending time together, and it was getting kind of late, but we decided we wanted to watch a movie. Actually, we, we had to watch a movie, and it had to be Raising Arizona. So nobody had the tape, the, the VCR tape, Kids, look that up. Nobody had the VCR tape, so that meant somebody had to make a run to go to Blockbuster. Kids, look that up. (laughs) To go to Blockbuster and rent the tape. Somebody had to go. Well, just then, Abigail and I, our our eyes met, and uh, we both sort of went, well, I'll go. And it was the first time that Abigail and I were able to be alone together. So I remember everything about it. (laughs) Now, I was so excited that we were going to get this time together, but at that time there was a debate going on. A A lot of women were in this really active conversation about whether or not to allow a man to open a door for you. So I knew this was happening, and, and I, I was already so nervous, you know, I was sweating through my scalp to be alone with, with this girl, and, uh, and then I didn't know whether I was supposed to open the door for her or not, and as we approached the car, the nervousness was overtaking me, and I stepped forward, and I just decided I'm going to go for it. I stepped forward, and, and I, I, I opened the door, and I kind of looked at her, and she said, Tim, 
you can open as many doors for me as you'd like. Yes. <laughs> I know. That sounded very promising. And I was, I was so excited that she was going to allow me to, to serve her in that way. But here's, here's the question. Here's the question and the challenge. Did I open that door for Abigail or did I open that door for me? Let's take a vote. How many of you think, <laughs> show of hands, how many of you think I opened that door for Abigail? That's not bad. How many of you think I opened that door for me? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know me too well. Here's why I tell that story. God wants us living you-first lives in a me-first world. God wants us genuinely serving those around us, saying you first, but that's the challenge. It's very difficult to do anything for someone else without thinking of what it does for us in return. Isn't it? Romans 15.2. This is our challenging verse this morning. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For their good. To build. I was so captured in reading that verse that I wanted to, I, I, I dug into it as deeply as I could. I wanted to understand and to know that I'm not getting it wrong. This is exactly what it means. Each of us, it says, everybody, every one of us, lottie dottie, everybody, each of us should. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Don't get confused on that point. Each of us should, should. Please our neighbors for their good. We should serve our neighbors for their benefit to build them up. Wow. Each of us, it says, ought to do something. Each of us ought to act, ought to, to do something in such a way as to please our neighbors, to serve our neighbors. Why? Not for our good, not for our agenda, not for our profit, but for their good to build them up. Up under the, the motivation and the design, the pure motivation to build them up for their edification, for their well-being. That's what God wants from us. That's living as you-first people in a me-first world. And what I'm saying is, I'm not sure it's possible there's a range of, of why we do things for one another. There's sort of a, a scale. And on the first side of the scale, the first step on the scale is I do for you because you do for me. Quid pro quo. Me doing something for you is just the, it's just the beginning. It's just the precursor. It's the prologue of you doing something in return for me, something maybe of equal value, maybe of greater value even than what I've done for you. This is at the heart of a lot of our interactions. What goes around comes around. People even spiritualize it, call it karma or the universe or something like that. This is at the heart of, of a lot of what we do. I did a good thing, I'm waiting for my returns to come back to me. 
The next step is just a little bit further down the line. I do for you because it feels good to me. I can't wait to get that, that feeling again. You know, there are actually studies out about how good it feels to do things for other people, that, that when you do good for others, when you do uh, acts of charity, acts of service, there's actually a flood of, of hormones released, a flood of endorphins and dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. I don't know, but they sound great. How's it pronounced? Oxytocin, yeah. And you think, I, I just want that buzz, you know? I want that buzz again. Not to mention the feeling of superiority. Oh, the sense of, of near royalty when someone humbly and gratefully gives thanks for my beneficence. <laughs> no. But woe to them if they don't, right? I'm never coming back to that place, those ingrates, you know? They didn't say a thing about all that I did for them. Well, do you see how this is just a half step away from the first? It's only a half step away. Romans 15.2 is asking us to do something else entirely. This weekend is City Serve. Over two dozen churches are participating. We're going to be all out there. What began four years ago is an effort in our own church to, to try to dream of how do we get our people onto the streets of the city has now become a movement with leadership from multiple churches, with attention from the mayor's office, thousands of volunteers heading out into Colorado Springs to love the city with no strings attached. When we hit the streets on Saturday... And I do sure hope you found a way to help. I hope you found some way to participate. There's many ways to participate. When we hit the streets on Saturday, we hit the streets with one goal, to help in Jesus' name. Not to receive a reward, not to, not to feel a buzz. No, to help in Jesus' name. This is our goal. This, friends, is what holiness requires. Romans 15, 2. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. When Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your, let's say it together, neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself, not to benefit yourself, not to, not to feel good about yourself. Love your neighbor and seek the good of your neighbor as much as you love yourself and seek the well-being of your neighbor as much as you seek your own well-being. This is what holiness requires. Or Jesus, in his great commandment to the disciples at the end of his life, said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must, let's say it together, love one another. Thank you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. These are the markers. These are the precepts. These are the foundations of Christian action. This is what holiness requires.
Love your neighbor as you love yourself, as much as you love yourself. Love one another as I loved you. Love one another as much as Jesus loved me. I'm to love. Whoa. It isn't I do for you because you do for me. It isn't I do for you because it feels good to me. It's I do for you because it's good for you. This is what holiness requires. Selfless action of pure motivation and self-sacrifice with no concern or expectation for myself or my interest and in total selflessness with one aim and one aim only, the good of of the other. I want you to see how high a calling this is. I want you to see how high a standard Christ has set. I want you to see what holiness requires. Because can we admit it? Love your neighbor. It's nearly impossible. It's nearly, and I don't even know your neighbor, whoever left. (laughs) But whoever your neighbor is, love your neighbor as as much as you love yourself, love one another as much as Christ loved me, it's impossible. It's too high. Can we admit it? It is impossible to perform a purely selfless act. We're stuck. But here's the good news. Jesus has done what holiness requires. Jesus has done it for us. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up, for even Christ, here he is, did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Paul quotes Psalm 69 here, a psalm of expectation of the Messiah. He's saying Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the one who came on a rescue mission. Jesus is the one who did not please himself, but allowed the insults meant for others, to fall on him. What does this mean? This is the great atoning work of Jesus. Jesus came to rescue us, and if Jesus was worried about getting fair treatment, if Jesus was worried about getting something out of it in return, he never would have come, and we never would have been saved. Jesus leads our way. Keep going, verses four to seven. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Have the same mind as Jesus. I don't know if you or I could ever perform a genuinely selfless act. I don't know. But here's the good news. Jesus has done it for us. 
We always have mixed motives. If, if not from the very beginning of the act, then they, they work their way in. Oh, this is really going great. I can't wait to tell my friends about how, you know, how great this went or to go back to my Bible study and tell them how awesome I was when I you know, did this thing and, and how, how great it You know, there's always a mixed motive that we're gonna get a payoff on the other side. Even if it's just a proper thank you or a little gratitude, I mean, a little note, uh, you know, a little, just a plaque, just a plaque, it's not... A plaque isn't much to ask, really. You know, there's always something that we, we're hoping to see in return. Is it possible to perform a genuinely selfless act? It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. Jesus, who humbled himself. Jesus, who left his place at the side of the Father and humbled himself to become one with humanity, who, who emptied himself to become one with us. It's Jesus who took on flesh and then took on the insults, the undeserved hatred, the, the sins of all humanity. Peter wrote, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That's Jesus. He didn't do it expecting to be rewarded. He didn't do it because it felt good. He did it for us. You and I may not be able to match the standard that holiness requires, but Jesus has done it. He has satisfied the standard, and you and I, we can follow him. We can follow him. And so here's the fourth option. Not I do for you because you do for me. Not I do for you because it feels good to me. Not even I do for you because it's good for you. That genuine and pure selfless act of love that only Jesus can do. But the fourth option, I do for you because Jesus did for me. I do for you, I love you because Jesus loved me. I serve you because Jesus saved me. I accept and help and build you up because Jesus accepted and helped and built me up when he had no cause. He had no reason to draw me toward himself and to bring me to new life. I do for you because Jesus did for me. We can follow him. We can't match the standard of holiness. We can't, we can't be pure and perfect, but we can follow God. We can follow Jesus Christ because he loved us first. The love of God, it starts with God and it runs to you, but it doesn't stop there. God wants his love for you to turn into love for others. Look at 1 John 4, 10 and 11. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, since God so loved us, what should we do? Thank you. We ought to love one another. He doesn't want it to stop with you. He wants it to flow out. We do for you because Jesus did for me. That's, that's the banner.
of Christian service. That's the banner to fly over over everything we do next weekend, over everything we do in the nation, over everything we do in global missions, wherever we are, to the far reaches of the world. This is the banner that we fly over us. God first loved us. And I love you in Jesus' name. And under his power, we follow him. We are you first people in a me first world because God loved us first. Amen? Amen. My first international uh, mission trip was with Young Life. I was 16 years old and and we went to to Tijuana, Mexico and we stayed in a a kind of a, a makeshift border community. It was the first time in my life that I witnessed people living on dirt floor homes and with plywood walls that were built out of whatever really was found nearby. And in the, in the middle of that, that kind of town, uh, there was a, a half-built, half-finished cinder block building with no roof. And I asked my host, well, what's that? And my host said, we don't really know. I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, well, <clears throat> a, a big mission trip with a lot of kids was here a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and they had a lot of kids to keep busy and they wanted to build something. So we suggested that they build that. And so they built it, but they didn't finish it. On the last day of their trip, the kids kind of got into a, a paint fight and, uh, and didn't get finished with the project. And, and it's, we don't know what to do. It's kind of an eyesore now, but there it is. So I said, well, uh, we said to him, do you want us to tear it down? Do you want us to be rid of it? What, what would you? And he said, well, if we, if we were finished, we could do something with it we, if it were complete. So we hired a local worker to complete the work and we had the roof put on. At the end of the week, we painted it. But that was my first exposure to service for the wrong reasons. It's the first time that I, that I genuinely saw how that happens. That, uh, that mission team, God bless them, as we would say back in Atlanta, bless their hearts, right? Whatever that mission team was, they, they knew what they wanted to do and they did it. That was it. They had little awareness, little interest really, to be honest, little interest in actually learning what the community needed and what would actually be good for them. They had something that they wanted to do, an experience they wanted to have, and they did it. Friends, in in this world where our culture is moving more and more away from Christianity, the more post-Christian our society becomes, the more what it means to be a follower of Jesus is an unknown or novel thing to those around us, the less of that kind of stuff we can afford. People don't believe when we tell them the good news about Jesus because they don't believe that we have their best interests at heart. And so Paul, in the, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to the Christians in Rome, in Rome, and he said to them, each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them 
up, not just to build yourself up, to build them up, to genuinely edify them, to serve them for their good, not for my good, for their good. It's a high standard. It's a high calling. And it's, it's impossible to, risk, to do it ourselves, but we can follow Jesus into it. And Paul goes on to explain how critical it is. If you read on in your Bible, if it's open, you'll see. He talks about how the Gentiles are looking in, how the Romans, the world outside, those who don't know what it means to follow Jesus, those in Colorado Springs who don't know what it means to be a Jesus follower walking in the footsteps of our Lord, They are watching. And so the prayer is ours. May we have the endurance and the encouragement we need to have the same mind as Jesus. The same mind, not to serve ourselves or see what we can get, but to genuinely serve others for their upbuilding. And then God and then the light and the life of Christ, it goes on display. It's a high standard, higher than I can reach in my power. If you ask me to write down, Tim, write down the genuinely, purely selfless acts. I'd have a hard time. There's always some other motivation that creeps its way into our hearts It's a high standard, what holiness requires, but Christ can do it. Christ has done it. And we, as we follow him, his power and his spirit in us can do it again. With God first, we can be you first people in a me first world. Amen? In my family, Thank you, Christine. In my family, uh, we say to our kids, we're not a me first family. We say that a lot, actually. We say it when we're sitting down to dinner and somebody has more milk than the other. We say, we're not a me first family. We we say it when we get in the car and there's a better seat to be had. Let's see. We say it when uh, there are sweets to be divvied up, when there's anything happening, when there are presents to be given out. We say it when there's toothpaste to be shared. I mean, we say it a lot. We are not a me first family. But it's a lot harder to live it out than it is to say it. By the power of the Spirit, following in the power of Christ, we can be you first people in a me first world in the name and under the power of Jesus Christ who loved us first. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord Jesus, It is amazing, Lord, how even the simplest things, what occurred to us at first is the simplest things. Hey, love your neighbor. Lord, these are high callings, high standards, and things that we cannot honestly achieve on our own power. But as we step forward to love one another, we pray that you would empower us to follow you, to follow your example, to walk in your name, to share in your mind and in your attitude and to share in one voice and giving praise to God the Father Almighty that we might be in your name, you first people in a me first world to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen.
Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.